My name is Roy Turner. I'm your host. To my right here is a longtime friend, Mike DeQuinzio, who's going to be joining us for the special edition of Tricky Kid Radio. Mike, welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, As you've you've seen in the last two weeks, we've been doing uh, this Prince uh, tribute. And one of the reasons why, if you heard at the very beginning of the show, it wasn't our normal song. It was... uh, uh, it's a song, a little bit of 3121 that I kind of played with a little bit there to kind of do it. Um, we started out doing this uh, with uh, with my sister, who I grew up with. As she was met, yeah, of course, yeah. to turn me on to Prince, and and uh, and so I, I couldn't tell this story without her, and she's going to be joining us here uh, just a little bit later on. Uh, I wanted to bring Mike on. Mike and I have been friends for over 20 years. One of the first things that we bonded over was metal. <laughs> it was metal, actually. It was metal and uh, and Prince. Yeah. Uh, so I'm very, very, very happy to have you here. It's it's unfortunate that the reason, you know, for your first time coming on, it was because of something so tragic. Uh, but again, like I, like I told you in the other two episodes, this is not going to be a funeral. This is going to be a party. Uh, going to play you a bunch of awesome tracks, a lot of stuff you've probably never heard before. Going to share some stories, and uh, we're going to have a good time this week. Um, so first and foremost, I want to tell you a little bit about, about my friend Mike here. Uh, he, he's been around for a very, very long time. You've toured with Aerosmith. I toured with Aerosmith, yeah. And you're, you've been in a bunch of a bunch of different bands and uh, uh, a local band called Redefined for a while. Right. And where, where, can, where can they find you on, on the Twitters? On the Twitters, you can find me at MikeDRocks74. Okay. Okay. So. Cool. Awesome. Awesome. And, I, and you, he's going he's going to dazzle you with how much he knows about Prince as well. So, <laughs> well, if they've been listening already, they've been dazzled beyond belief. Well, thank you, yeah, sir. I can only do so much after that. Well, thank you, sir. <laughs> I do appreciate that. Uh, there's a lot of other people that are. Um, again, this is by no means, as I've disclaimed before, some kind of competition. Uh, this is just you know two friends that really loved it that are really feeling this loss that have come together uh, to try to try to heal and try to heal. Um, you know, people that, that love this, that li- listen to this show and everything else and all kind of coming together. So this is by no means uh, meant to be, uh, you know, competing with other uh, tributes and eulogies. And in fact, we actually list them mm-hmm. each week, the new ones, uh, a lot this past week. OK, uh, if you saw the did you see the Saturday Night Live? Uh, I haven't gotten a chance to watch it yet. I've heard about it. Yeah. I heard it was good. My sister saw it. She, yeah. she liked it a lot. It's, it's as, as weeks have progressed. I've had like more and more stuff to watch and less time to watch it. Sure, so I've sure. heard about, about the stuff, but not right. actually seen it. Okay. Yeah. I, you know, if you've, if you've heard the other episodes, I have dealt with this in a, in a different way. Mm. I have, I've, I've, I've haven't been able, I'm just not there yet in terms of, you know, past tense. Yeah. It's just, yeah. I'm just not there yet. Uh, but I do appreciate 
what people were doing. And the reason why I mentioned that was because Maya Rudolph, who was on there, uh, she actually has a a Prince tribute act that she's actually has done in the past. I didn't know that. Yeah, and so I mean she's a she's a big big Prince fan. So her band uh, her her act is going to be doing two two shows uh, at the Brooklyn Bowl. If you guys are are uh, up there in Brooklyn, um, and so uh, great 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 stuff. Whatever. If you go to Brooklyn Bowl's website, it'll give you the dates or just you know just Google my. You know, we're all. Yeah. Uh, another one I wanted to talk about was I saw uh, today that Madonna um, is planning on doing one at the the billboards. What is that? I I think it's is that is that it's coming up. I know it's in well, a few obviously. weeks. I should yeah. I should have that date for you oh, here. Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. I, I caught it with his pants down. Uh, right. <laughs> not 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 literally. Well, maybe maybe literally. Oh, depending but, on the show goes. Right. You <laughs> you, you, you wouldn't know <laughs> you wouldn't know anyway out there, would you? You wouldn't be able to see it. We are uh, pantsless prince. Today. Yeah, exactly. I mean, as if the show wasn't wasn't completely and totally. Uh, <laughs> okay, so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna find that right yeah. now. I'm gonna find. Speaking when, of that, though, I don't know um, if you ever heard the Like a Prayer album, but they had a song together called Love Song. I'm sure you knew that already. They did, of course. Yeah. Of course, that's I, actually one of my favorite collaborations I ever heard him do. I was actually going to. Um, I actually was was thinking about playing that during the '80s portion. Yeah, because uh, a lot very of, late '80s, but yeah, right. Of course, '89 for, for for like a prayer. Okay, so yeah, the Billboard uh, is on May 22nd. Okay. Now, if you remember that, the, I think it was the MTV either Music or Film Awards happened just a few days after Michael Jackson had passed away. Yeah. And I hate that you know. Again, I know people always want to make the, make the comparisons, and I and I tried to you know to stay away from that. But she did something very, very poignant at that. She really kind of like put the screws to people by saying that, you know, we abandoned him. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so, uh, you know, I thought that was an interesting take that she had done. And so so no matter what she, you know, is is going to do, it, it should be interesting. And, and, yeah. I, and I, I think that uh, she's going to offer a perspective that, that that only that she really could. Yeah. Um, you know, and then of course Beyonce was. You know, we're we're in, we're in Dallas this week, and and uh, and so was Beyonce, who did a big big show. And I had heard that. Uh, well, I saw some footage that she had done a little bit of Purple Rain and did a little bit of the Beautiful Ones. I heard. I had some friends that went. So. Okay. Did you did you see any of it in the footage of it? No, no. I, I hate people with the video phones. <laughs> I, I do too, of course, of course. And there's no, I, and I normally wouldn't watch it, but I, I thought, you know, hey, I'll check this out. Yeah. Again, I, I you can't really, you know, tell how good it was because it was through a camera phone. But yeah. but yeah. but just the same, um, I thought that it was just, you know, and I mentioned this before too. Uh, I appreciate all all the all the tributes, but he did play. He did have more than one song. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that yeah, like ninety percent of them in Purple Rain. And right. Like, I think Billy Corgan did the Cross. You know, which is probably the only cool thing he's ever done. But exactly. Have <laughs> no, no. been kind of blown away by the by the variety yeah. or the spectrum of people like Corey Taylor from Slipknot? Yeah. And obviously Beyonce is more expected. Sure. You'd expect sure. That. Sure. Billy Corgan and all these people. Like, my God, Dillinger Escape Plan. Yeah. The, whatever the guy's name is from that band. Uh, tweeted something like that. Yeah. It shows you how wide, you know, wide his reach was. Well, that's you what I, I mentioned this also was like, okay, it's not the Beatles. It's yeah. like, it's the one thing we all agree on. Yeah. You know, there isn't, he has touched all of us in some way it, because, um, you know, I liked it best and I'm going to, and I'll be playing this later on was when uh, Alicia Keys mentioned in her Hall of Fame speech, she said that, 
and I love it the most so much when she said she said that because of him, I always wanted to be myself. Mm-hmm. So what is the one thing that we all have in common is that that desire, is that that right. need, is that, that individuality. And so in it's just it's just hard. It's it's undeniable. That's really what it is. Yeah. It's undeniable. Yeah. Um, you know, I was if my sister was here currently, I would I would uh, we have, we have a fun little debate that I was trying to I was telling her a little bit about this was that who was the love of Prince's life? You know, unfortunately, <laughs> you know, we lost Vanity earlier this right, year, right. and and uh, and you know, throughout the eighties, there was a lot of you know different interests and stuff. But um, uh, you know, she in her mind, she thinks that Maite Garcia. Uh, I was going to say that actually from the early nineties, Emancipation Inspiration, basically. Uh, sure, uh, was and again, I said only he would know, and and you know, I'm not going to you know debate it like a couple of geeks. Like, well, who would win in a fight between <laughs> you know Batman and you know who who is the true love of Prince's life? But uh, not because I want it to be, but I I can't help but feel and think, and and, and regardless, she wouldn't have to be in order for this to to to, to mean something, but. Uh, a lot of people don't know this. Maybe you do, but I'm going to say it for people that don't, is that um, he was absolutely in love. Like maybe it was his first love, the love of his life, whatever, was with Susanna Melvoin. Uh-huh. Now, here's who Susanna Melvoin is. If you, Of course, you know Prince and the Revolution, and of course, you know Wendy, uh, Wendy yeah. Melvoin. This is her, her twin sister. Um, ironically, you mentioned Billy Corgan, okay? Is that maybe you didn't know this, but their brother, okay, mm-hmm. uh, was the touring keyboardist for the Smashing Pumpkins. He's the that's one, where I knew that name from. He, he actually <laughs> plays keyboards and strings on my favorite Prince album, "The Parade Under the Cherry Moon." Right. He's the one that, unfortunately, uh, why Billy Corgan. Remember when he fired Jimmy Chamberlain because he had he had shot up, uh, I guess fixed or whatever, given, right. given heroin. To a touring member of the band that ended up ODing and dying. Yeah, I remember that. That's him. It's Wendy and Susanna's brother. Wow. Okay. So uh, okay. So there's that. All right. Well, anyway, well, all those songs that you are wondering who they're about, like 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 "Take Me With You," um, all those insanely, you know, let's pretend we're married. All those amazing songs were about Susanna. Okay. And he long mentioned that this was the love of his life. And a lot of people don't know this because, like, okay, after Purple Rain, if people were to ask you, okay, in the discography, what is the next Prince album? You would say? Uh, Around the World in a Day. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Well. I drew a blank. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, there was he had a lot going on at the time. And I mentioned right. this in the, in, the, in the 80s episode, was that actually the very next thing was it was recorded at the same time as Purple Rain was an album called The Family. Right. And it was just his extended group, okay, uh, Jelly Bean Johnson uh, from the time, okay, and uh, I believe Alan Leeds, who, you know, the saxophonist, um, who was, I think, the brother of his manager at the time, mm-hmm. and basically was a vehicle for his, for, for Susanna. She, it's just her, it's her and, uh, and uh, I forget who else is. I think I think Brown Mark is on. The, no, Jelly Bean I think is on the cover. Just those two. Mm-hmm. But this is where the song "Nothing Compares to You" comes from. Okay. Okay. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So he wrote that song about Susanna for her to sing it. <laughs> so when people kind of go, you know, well, later on, obviously Shane O'Connor, you know, had a number one hit with it. Yeah. You know, in the in the late '80s or early she '90s. She shall not be named. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, we'll, we will not be repeating. <laughs> and I will not cuss to say what I think right. about her right now. Yeah, we're not going to be repeating what's yeah. you've heard. What's going on? I heard, news, yeah. and we're not going to be going to go there. Uh, we just other than other than to lend our support to Arsenio. That's 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 yeah, it. Yeah, of course. Um, but uh, what I'm getting at is is that like, well, I don't. That's a Prince song. Well, I've never heard that Prince song. <laughs> you know, There's a lot of them like that though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, uh, what I thought was really really amazing and beautiful was that Susanna and the family actually decided to do a, a new version or re-recorded version of nothing compares to you. And you know how the first line is, it's been seven hours yeah. and 15, 15 days. days. So at that exact moment when it was seven hours, I read that okay. 15 right. days. And uh, so I'm going to play that for you. They're, they actually have a, um, they actually have a, they go by a different name now. It's, uh, the, it's instead of instead of the family. Let me see here. It go, it's something like um, it's a revolution reunion. Uh, oh well, well that that's something 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 oh. <laughs> that's something separate there. But uh, let me show you here. Um, well, speaking of the songs that like no one knew Prince did, like you know, I feel for you was maybe by Shaka Khan. It was a Prince song, and right. you were mine by Cindy Lauper. Same thing. It's a Prince song. Right, right. Or at least true. wrote them anyway. You know what? Um, and while we're on that track, I didn't know he wrote Stand Back for Stevie Nicks. Oh, yeah. I had no idea because I heard yeah. while I was listening to Sirius, the, the tribute channel, this okay. weekend, actually okay. the last two weeks. And they come in and say, here's another song you didn't know Prince wrote. And it was that. And I'm like, I never knew he wrote that. <laughs> Did you know he wrote uh, uh, Pray for MC Hammer? No. Yeah. Wow. I, I knew Manic Monday and Nothing Compares to You, of course. Um, all the time you know, albums, of course. Yeah, all the time, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, obviously all the, what they call the girlfriend albums, like yeah. Jill Jones and we talked about Ingrid Chavez, my favorite, uh, obviously Carmen Electra, you yeah. know. Uh, that's why he had to have the Paisley Park imprint because he was putting out so much music. Right. But anyway, but Susanna, uh, again, and the family who are now called, uh, been performing as F Deluxe. Oh, okay. Did this, and the song starts with this great spoken word tribute by Suzanne, and just hearing her voice, you can feel it. So I wanted to, mm. I wanted to start the show uh, with playing you that. So this is formerly known as the Family, now known as F Deluxe, led by Susanna Melvoin. <coughs> this is the recent re-recording of Nothing Compares to You. Hello, all. I'm Susanna Melvoin, and it's with a musically heavy heart that tonight we honor our dear friend and musical collaborator, Prince, on what's to be seven hours and 13 days after his passing. Our band, The Family, myself, Paul Peterson, Eric Leeds, and Jellybean Johnson, offer you a moment of Prince's musical legacy and brilliance with a song that he wrote for us many purple moons ago, featuring the players of String Genius Ladies and gentlemen, nothing compares to you. It's been seven hours and thirteen days Since you took your love away Oh, 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 oh Go out every night and sleep all day Since you took your love away oh, 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 oh. Since you've been gone I can do whatever I want 
song even you know no matter who sings it even when it was popular in 89 with that woman <laughs> and, <laughs> right. but even but back then like i was younger and i always thought these these songs were slow and boring but now that i'm older and can relate to the lyrics more right, right. that song and like the beautiful ones and things Jeez. like that are more of my favorites now so i mean great version 
it, but like I said, it doesn't matter who sings it. It's right. always a great song. But just hearing, just hearing the pain in Suzanne's yeah. voice just shows you, like, even though they didn't make it as a couple, you know, having somebody like that in your life. You yeah, know? yeah. And that we've all been there at this point. You well, know? yeah, man. But it's just, and that's what I was saying to you earlier. Uh, was that's been part of the the hardest thing for me is that I've always felt so connected to to, to him and his art and his music, and and right now I I feel. I feel like I said lost. I feel mm. I feel dis not disconnected, but it's like I will always not be. I will never be disconnected. I just mean that like I listen to Prince every single day, and right now I haven't been able to. It's just right. been, it's, it, was, it was all I could do to get through that song right right <laughs> now without you know yeah choking up. Yeah, well, you know that's fine. I'm just saying it's just that I feel very not that I, I live in the past and Prince is part of my past. He's part of my, my present. He's my one yeah. constant. And he's your future too. Uh, right. Exactly. <laughs> There's all like. this, all this great music and, and, and all this, you know, stuff that we still haven't heard. And, but, uh, which speaking of, since you mentioned that, what is your opinion of the, the vault? Like the famous vault? Okay. I, I, I touched upon this in, in episode two. Okay. okay. Because, and this is what I wanted want to talk about was that it's, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable to me. Because we've heard about the vault mm-hmm. our entire lives. Does it really exist? <laughs> you know, and if it does, you know, what's in it and all this craziness. And, uh, and you know, and you've, you've heard about it your whole entire life. I even made a joke. I was like, you know, Prince has his vault and I've got mine and I'm going <laughs> to open it up to play all a bunch of great stuff that I've collected and been able right. to get from different engineers and former members of the band over the years and stuff. But, um, uh, that's what I think makes it so strange. Like I said, it's like, I mean, not that one, you know, celebrity death or, or music, musical death is more important or more devastating than any others, but no one's supposed to be at Paisley park, but him. Right. Right. Okay. It's one of those ongoing things. Like I said, I was never prepared. I would never be prepared to, to mourn Prince. Even when, if he was 90, I wouldn't be ready. <laughs> but for somebody that was so alive, yeah. this wasn't like he didn't, you know, he, you know, he's been out of the spotlight for 20 years and hasn't played live in 10. Hasn't no. been, he's released four amazing albums in the last 18 months. Yeah. Actually, okay. you mentioned the first part about Phase 2, and I got that recently because that yeah. song Stare is amazing. But that whole album is Break the funkiest it. thing I've heard in yes. years from him. Yeah. My okay. God. <laughs> and, then, and then I heard, you know, the show yeah. uh, you know, from you know, from Atlanta, what we're we talking about later. And, and so that, that's what's hard. And so I mentioned that because it's like, okay. The vault, you know, where is it? Does it exist? What's in it? Why? And did you see that they were they actually discovered the vault? They really? actually, they actually discovered it. Okay, and it was it's where you probably would think it would be. In the studio. It was it was underneath. Oh, okay. Like how he takes the elevator down to his right. studio. This the vault was actually underneath that. Okay. Probably just out of first of all, it probably started out of necessity. He was putting out so much music and recording so much music that his engineer was just stockpiling these things. And then pretty soon, and, and, but it's just weird that all of that is now over. Right. Well, actually, that's my question, actually, what I meant when I told your opinion. Um, mm-hmm. People have been saying, well, he's got the vault, you're going to be hearing music come out for 20-something years. He obviously didn't want us to hear it yet. Yeah. And it's going to be a big cash grab. I'm torn. I would love to hear it, but at the same time, if we weren't meant to, then I guess I'm good with what we have. Well, okay. Absolutely. I agree with that 100%. He did say that someday this stuff will come out. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and he even, you know, I wouldn't say, I guess this is giving his blessing. He said, I might, I may not be the one releasing it, meaning that because I've got so much that 
it may be it's out later. Him. You know, it'll, you know, it'll outlive him. But like, so kind of like with, with Charles Schultz, with you know, with the Peanuts games, mm-hmm. you know, he knew the strip was going to outlive him, and that's how he wanted to kind of preserve it. He didn't want there to be any new strips. Right. It'll it'll pre- preserve that way. I don't necessarily think that he doesn't want us to hear it. I just think that he wanted us to hear it in a certain way right. and at a certain time that may or may not have been practical. And I, you know, or he doesn't like going into the past. So he's not somebody that's going to go, hey, here's a B-sides thing from, you know, from, you know, you know me as the roughly shirt wearing the guy riding the motorcycle. Here's eight songs from Purple Rain that right. you haven't heard. That would be a cash grab. Okay. Well, another thing I don't want to see is like deluxe reissues with here's three demos that are, or three unreleased songs you haven't heard oh, yeah. yet. You know, so now I got to rebuy the entire catalog just to hear these three songs. I, I don't want that. Well, no, you know? I, but but the main thing is is that no one should be in the vault but him. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like one of those things that that is supposed to just go on and on and on forever. Mm-hmm. Okay. No one's supposed to be in his bedroom at Paisley Park. There are people in his bedroom right now going through his stuff. Right. Okay, and th- they're the ones that are getting to decide this, and it's just it, it, it kills me. It, as long as those people making the decisions get, care as much as we do, right. I guess I'll be okay with it. But it's I. Mm, well, okay, I'm but, torn. but, but I'm like really you, torn. <laughs> but like you said, I'm fine with what we have because there's so much, and anything else, yeah. anything else is academic and it's a bonus. It's not necessarily how it would or where or when it would be released. Mm-hmm. The only issue I have right now is not about commerce. It's not about, uh, you know, when are we going to get to hear it? No, it's entirely about him. Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to be there. You see what right. I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Why would anybody be there? And it, it was exactly what I saw. They didn't actually go inside, but they took some outdoor pictures. It's exactly what you would think. Mm-hmm. It's like a bank door vault, the big freaking wheel, you know. You with know, the, the symbol the, on it, sure. The, the, it does with yeah. the safe cracker thing. Yeah. And that's just what I'm saying. No one's supposed to be there. Why would anybody be in there? Right. And the only reason why someone's in there is because he he is no longer able to make that decision. Right. And that that for me, that's what messes me up the, the most. Yeah, yeah. Okay. On one hand, again, like I said, you know, I would love to hear. I would love to be in there. I would love to hear it all. <laughs> again, you know, you, you're not going to be able to fight the the pot. I can never say that word posthumously. Posthumous, released, yeah. Whatever. Okay. Um. One thing I uh, okay before we continue, I do we do got to keep the lights on here uh, at Tricky Kid Studio. So we do want to go over and mention to you some of the, our proud sponsors of Tricky Kid Radio. Uh, the very first one is if you need your house cleaned, you have somebody that cleans your house, Mike. Yeah, me. <laughs> okay, well, guess what? I got the right person for you. Okay, just based on the name alone, mm-hmm. it's called In the Nick of Grime. That's a lost art, too, by the way. The puns. The, the, the puns are just... Yeah, you know what? I love that. <laughs> and so, anyway, uh, licensed and bonded. Uh, the girl's name is Ashley Stone. Unbelievable. If you live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area or any of the surrounding areas, uh, she'll come to you. She'll travel to you. Uh, it's affordable. What you want to do is go to Facebook. And type in in the nick of grime. I'm gonna go and give you the phone number here, uh, real fast because it's really something that you're gonna want to do. Because I mean, I have them clean my house, and you know, I'm busy a lot. A lot of people think, oh man, you know, that's for for rich people. Well, in this case, it's really not. Um, they've made it very, very accessible, uh, uh, affordable, uh, trustworthy. 
and uh, and everything that you would need or would want, you know, to invite somebody over to your house, uh, you know, to do this. So let me hook you up right here, just real fast here. Okay, yeah. Uh, number is 214-893-4491. Ask for Ashley Stone to have your house cleaned in the neck of grime. <laughs> uh, also, next, big news, big news this week. Any listener of the show or, or follows me knows that I, I'm a huge fan of professional wrestling, and I've been kind of integrated into that world, and you all know I like to talk, and I got the gift of dabble. Guess what? What? May 29th in Crowley, Texas. The IHWE, which is under the umbrella of the, of the NWA National Wrestling Alliance, is having their big event. It's for all you veterans out there. Early afternoon, it's completely and totally free. And then there's another event happening that evening. It's called the IHWE Atomic Drop. And guess who is going to make their commentary debut live at the matches? Um, you? That is correct. Oh, my God. Can you believe it? I can't believe it. Okay, so I'm going to be kicking some serious commentary butt there. I'm going to be doing the, 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 some, some verbal body slamming there. going to get my Jesse Ventura on. <laughs> it's something I've always wanted to do and thought about, and it's just been a, a real, real honor to be invited to come and actually call a live professional wrestling match, and uh, I, I only hope to be able to do them justice. So don't forget, uh, May 29th in Crowley, Texas, the HWE atomic drop and you go to their website and uh, and get your tickets today i think they're only like ten dollars great 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 stuff and then speaking of wrestling you've been hearing me talking about this for months and we're getting down to the wire now okay come on man you, you know you grew up in the 80s you remember glow the gorgeous ladies of wrestling i do remember glow yes well Something the most amazing thing, you know how a lot of these people are doing these fan cruises now. Like mm-hmm. Kiss does did one, and right. uh, I think Lance Bass just did one. Uh, actually, the, the guy that did the Lance Bass one is the one that's doing this one. Uh, anyway, so you know all the original Glow Girls. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be doing this very show there live on 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 board uh, in front of a live studio audience uh, with two different Glow Girls each and every single day. On the final day, me and uh, Glow Original MTV are going to throw the most baddest, awesome, ultimate 80s disco on the final day. <laughs> Here's how you can join us. Go to afterglowatsea.com. The cabins are ridiculously cheap. You know, you, oh, go, on a, go on a cruise. It's going to cost – it's like 400 bucks. It's like you know, $4, and you get to go on this all-inclusive thing. Uh, and, and you know, instead of being boring and going to your, the normal crap, like Hollywood um, – is going to be there. She was a original girl doing a casino night. There's going to be uh, a scavenger hunt with Grimlina. Uh, Matilda the Hun is going to have her first, you know, tell all. Uh, Sunny's going to be giving surf lessons on the um, on the on the expedition day. We're going to have a lot, a lot of fun. Again, go to afterglowatsea.com. Use the code TRICKYKID so you can get a discount as well as some onboard spending cash to join me and the original Glow Girls for the After Glow Fan Cruise. Book your cabin now. And Mike, speaking of which, okay, you've got some some stuff coming up. Yeah, my friends in The Spectacle, which is a local band out of the Denton area, um, have tapped me to fill in on bass guitar this summer. Fantastic. So we'll see. uh, It might be a show or two. might be a little longer than that. You know, they're friends of mine. I'm here to help them as long as I need to, so... Well, I think that is I think that is fantastic. Well, thank you very much. And there's no show dates yet, but okay. I'm looking at July for okay. something. Well, you let me know, and we'll definitely we'll, we'll, for be, sure. we'll be mentioning them here. And Mike, they can find you also again on Twitter at Mike D Rocks 
74. Okay, how do you spell rocks? You spell kind of a funny way? No, no, no. It's like Aerosmith rocks. <laughs> R-O-C-K-S. Okay, perfect, perfect, perfect. Not, not R-O-X-X-X or anything. <laughs> exactly. Now, yeah. okay, now, you were, were now, again, the first episode was, was the 80s. The right. second one was the 90s. And what we're going to do here is, the, of course, is the 2000s. And uh, a lot of really interesting stuff uh, was happening with him. And, and uh, around 2002... He had done this really unique tour um, called One Night Alone. He was going to um, have uh, an album coming out called, actually called Xenophobia, which is going to be the follow-up. Uh, what are your memories of that, of that tour? Well, I remember the Rainbow Children was the album he had out. Right. And to be honest with you, I wasn't a big fan of it. Uh, there's that that voice effect that drove me nuts throughout the entire. My, my sister mentions that. Rainbow Children. Yeah. Know, and it drove me insane. Other than that, the music is pretty cool. There's a song in there called "The Work Part One," which I thought was so James Brown, I like so it too, funky. Yeah. But for the most part, it was like a, it was a lot, a lot of jazz, which isn't a bad thing. But it wasn't what I expected to hear from Prince. But it just shows you, I mean, he can do anything. True. The tour itself was unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, it, it was really very was. unique. It was. I like, had Maceo Parker on sax too. I remember that. Right, right, right. We also played with James Brown. Well, well, uh, Maceo, One Night Alone. We saw it at the Music yes. Hall of Fair Park. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was one of my absolute favorites as well because it was so intimate. Okay. And. Like I said, there's again, there's really not a whole lot of format, so he's playing whatever he wants to play, and but he was right there, you know, he was like really, really close, and right. and it seemed like a much more intimate performance than some of the big arena shows that we'd been to. Sure. And so that one really stuck in my mind even more than some of the other ones. All of them stick in my mind because he's just so great. But especially that first time you see him, that one, and then the smaller venue, um, really. The actor shows, uh-huh. right? Sure. Uh, well, you know, his frame of mind at that point, if you remember, was very, uh, he was very bitter. He was very blue. Uh, I think, I think he had just, things had, had broken apart with Maite. I think, I don't know if this was, this might've been around right after, I think this was around the time of where, you know, they had lost the, the their child and all right. that. And I remember the very first thing he said, because, of course, fans were there expecting to hear the hits. Yeah, because there was something in the paper that day that said, oh, Prince is here. We're back to the 80s. And so the first thing he said when he came out was, this ain't no 80s, you know. And then he started playing his new stuff, which we were there to hear, you know. But um, there probably was a lot of people there that thought they were just going to hear everything from the 80s and the Purple Rain. And, you know, may have been a little disappointed if, you know, if they didn't appreciate the new stuff. But he made a big comment about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I remember that too because, okay, because we had already had had reached 1999, the year. And I remember in 2000, he he came and did a thing called Hit and Run. And it was going to be what he said was going to be the last time he was ever going to be playing his hits. Mm -hmm. And we saw that. So now two years later, he's in this theater where they normally show plays Mm -hmm. instead of the big arena. He's very subdued. It's very dark. He just put out a very dark album called The Rainbow Children. He had suffered some major personal setbacks. And I remember the exact words he said because people were like he kind of hinted people were like you know screaming for purple rain or or when doves cry he goes he goes last time I checked he goes it's not 1986 he goes for those of you that came to get your purple rain on and right when he said purple rain the crowd reacted right thinking okay he's, he's gonna, gonna play, play it yeah because not really listening to what he's saying right he goes for those of you that came to get your purple rain on he goes you better hit the door now because it ain't that kind of party. 
And then there were those that really loved that because they were like, oh, okay, good. Yeah. Now we're going to, now we're going to, now, oh shit, it's getting serious now, uh-huh. you know? And, uh, and I don't think anyone could have possibly been disappointed after that show because well, no. <laughs> even though it wasn't the songs they maybe came to hear, it was just, he's so good live. You yes. cannot go see him and not appreciate it whether you know the songs he's singing or not. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, and then uh, I think, was the last time that you saw him? Did, was he on that tour? Did yeah, come to those in Yeah, because he ended up in the balcony right next to us. <laughs> oh, that's right. Because he had this other guy that had this. Was that was a girl, one, Candy Dolfer. Yeah, that was uh, no. So he had this one guy. It was like this prodigy guy. I think that was around two thousand. I know who you're talking about. I can't remember his name. But yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, me and my sister were talking about this. Was that uh, he was, you know, had was was very very sad around this time, mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, you could feel it in the music. You could feel it. It was very, very kind of, uh, kind of muted. And he was kind of just grappling with his legacy and his place in it. And uh, I remember, I don't remember him saying this. I actually have a recording of him saying this in Chicago, where he goes, "For all of you who came to get your purple rain on tonight, and, and, and you're he, the wrong place." That's yeah. right. I was. Yeah, I remember him saying that. Yeah. And so I actually have a great recording of uh, of a song from that tour. It was the first song that he opened with on that tour from a, another aborted album that's probably somewhere in that vault we just <laughs> mentioned. Uh, this it, it called Xenophobia. And he says, under, don't get it twisted, because if you know what xenophobia means, I'm not going to tell you. Google it. Uh, it's not the most flattering of terms. Okay. Um, <laughs> But uh, but that's, he's not suddenly endorsing xenophobia in, in terms of documenting xenophobia. Right. But this is from a uh, um, this is from a recording that I that I took in in out of Chicago from 2002. Uh, this is a live version uh, that kind of paints a portrait of where he was at at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is xenophobia live. Don't get it twisted. Don't get it twisted. 
was two years later, which was his last major American tour, was in 2004. Is that right? I believe so. Okay. Because I remember that he had come two years later. And I remember this because it was the first time uh, that I went to see Prince without you. Unfortunately, there were some things that, that, that had happened. And this was, he'd come out with an album called Musicology. And it was, this really put him back in the spotlight. Uh, he did this really neat uh, kind of marketing trick where for everybody that bought an out, bought a concert ticket, when you came in, you got a copy of the album. Right. So, but they, since they bundled it with a ticket price, it was the same as counting towards buying a record, which meant that Billboard had to report it as a sale. Oh, that is well, if he was playing for 20,000 people a day, that means he was moving 20,000 copies. So mm-hmm. it means he was back in the number one spot. Yeah. And he looked great, and it really reintroduced people. And he did that, – that might be his most prolific American tour, maybe ever. Even the Purple Rain tour was only six months long, okay? Right. And he came for two nights – uh, only a few months apart. Like I think he came like in April, and I went without you, unfortunately. And then he came two months later in June, mm-hmm. and you and I went together. Okay, and was that the last time you saw him play live? I believe so. I think it was. My my concert going slowed down around that time because that's when I was having my children. Right, so you right, know right. you don't you don't go quite as often. So I think that's why I started missing some of the shows. Hmm. Well, also something you might remember, very memorable of that was that unfortunately the day before that show, uh, Ray Charles had passed away. Okay. And I remember that there was an intermission and you were like, oh my God, I got to go to the bathroom. And you went and uh, uh, um, uh, Maceo Parker, who used to play with James Brown, the saxophonist that was on that tour with him mm-hmm. during intermission, got up with his saxophone and sang Georgia on my mind. And again, I don't think we had cell phones even then. I don't, no, I, I, they, I don't think so. Well, I mean, other people might have, but I, I don't think we're going to have, yeah, but I was going, Nikki, please God, hurry uh-huh. back, hurry back, get back here, get back here. And right when you came back was when he finished. Mm-hmm. And Maceo, That's happened to me um, before <laughs> at, at other concerts. Maceo Parker singing. Yeah. Singing. Crazy. Georgia on my I? mind. And you were in the bathroom, uh-huh. you know, I wanted to play something uh, from from that because I, I love that album uh, a lot. The the musicology album. But again, there were some tracks left off of that that should have been on it. And one of them is important to me because it, 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 it you know, perpetuates his message, uh, especially right now. It was 2004. So if you remember, it was an election year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, unfortunately, George W. was up for his second term. And uh, he was facing John Kerry, which really wasn't much difference between John Kerry and George Bush, unfortunately. Uh, but the album, oh, the song is called The United States of Division. And then the main line from the song is, everybody stop fighting, everybody make love. Again, s- simple term, but that was that was the Beatles message, too. Right. Come together. All yeah. you need is love. You know? Right. Uh, so I want to play a song that you may have not have heard before. This is from the musicology era. It should have been on the album or could have been as an outtake. This is a song called the United States of division.
prints are like, you mm -hmm. know, the magnetic pool right. uh, that Prince uh, has. Um, and around that same time, uh, what I wanted to talk about was, um, it's funny because just yesterday, uh, HBO over the weekend aired uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Uh, did you see any of it from this weekend? I did. I saw a few, a little bit of it, did not you, a lot. Did you, who, who did you see? Um, I saw the Black Keys um, introduce Glenn Miller. Steve, Steve Miller. Miller. Yeah. I don't know why I get that mixed God, up. God, they were awkward. Yeah, it was very awkward. They were they were so awkward. That the, the nerdy guy, the tall guy. Yeah. Was... Well, and I read afterwards that they didn't like his speech, and so and I guess they knew what his speech was going to be. But maybe they had. I, no, I don't think. I don't think. I, I don't think I don't so. No, but they acted mad beforehand. But well, well, remember it wasn't live. That was recorded like two months. Yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. And so I read and this so, before I even saw it. And yeah. so after. It, you know, he because apparently his speech, because I saw his speech, and apparently it was heavily edited because because apparently he went off. Well, yeah, because I didn't see anything. So I'm expecting this big thing, and it wasn't anything. I was like, well, I don't understand what they're so mad because about. Because it was edited. Yeah, it had okay. to have been. Well, anyway, well, I, I mentioned anyway, that. Anyway, yeah, that's what I saw. I mentioned that because, you know, back in, again in 2004, the last time that you saw him on the Musicology Tour, and I saw, again, the two Dallas shows, and I went on to see two Houston shows and a few others on that tour. And every night of the tour, if you remember, of course, he had no opening act. But what would open the show was that that year, just a few weeks prior, he had been inducted mm -hmm. into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And he opened the show, uh, all those shows, with Alicia Keys' induction ceremony, uh, induction speech. Okay, mm -hmm. And I, I mentioned that was because, again, we, you know, we just saw it over the weekend. We saw, again, whether you like, like it or not. The Black Keys were very awkward, no matter what they were, Steve Miller. I love them. Okay. Yeah. And even in, and you know, I think the perfect person to induct Deep Purple, of course, was Lars Ulrich. He's long mm -hmm. has mentioned that his his that his inspiration for to be a musician and start a band was Deep mm -hmm. Purple's uh, and specifically their song Fireball. And I thought, you know, sorry Lars, but I thought he, I thought his was very underwhelming and very lackluster. And I point to this: whether you like this person or the band he was inducting. If you've never seen Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine inducting Kiss like two years ago, mm -hmm. whether you like Kiss or you like Rage, it is if you're not inspired by that, you don't have a pulse. Yeah. It's almost as good as it gets. But as good as it gets is when Alicia Keys, and again, I might sound biased here, but for years, sometimes you think this is kind of funny, whenever I'd be feeling blue and uninspired, I actually would go to YouTube and find her her speech. Oh, wow. And listen That's to it. That's a good it. speech. It's a great speech. Yeah. And so I think that, of course, this being, you know, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame weekend, and I want to talk about it anyway, I want to remind people, and I'm going to play uh, Alicia Keys' uh, induction uh, speech uh, back in 2004 uh, for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yes, yes. I mean, oh, my goodness. Let me just begin. There are many kings. King Henry VIII, King Solomon, King Tut, King James, King Kong. <laughs> the three kings, but there is only one prince. <sighs> only one man who has defied restriction 
who's defied the obvi obvious and all the rules to the game. A mysterious figure who in a river of words will not suffice, can only be identified by a symbol. <laughs> Whose music is like an internal roller coaster that takes each individual on their own separate legendary ride and still takes listen after listen to discover and uncover even half of the story behind the intriguing and unapologetically addictive beat of music. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, there is only one prince. <laughs> There's only one man who is so loud he makes you soft, so strong he makes you weak, so honest you feel kind of bashful, <laughs> so bold he defies you to be subtle, and so super bad he makes you feel so super good. <laughs> He's the only man that I've ever seen that lights a stage on fire, leaving you to burn within it in a frenzy of movement, lights, electric guitars, slides, pianos, dances, voices, splits, <laughs> and songs. Oh my God, songs so powerful that you are forever changed. Songs that make you laugh and cry, think and dance. Songs that made me look at songwriting as stories that are untold passions dying to be heard. Because of him, I've never wanted to be like anyone else but myself. And because of his music, my music has wings to be different. He is the inspiration that generations will return to until the end of time. So yes, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> throughout history there have been many, many kings, both real and mythological, they have born sons, but none of them can touch the rays from this man who stands alone. A man that I am tremendously proud and honored to help induct into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame tonight because now it is forever changed. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to get on your feet and I want you to pay homage to the one and only Prince. Yeah, very, very. And, you know, it was funny because, it, like, that's how it should have gone. That's what... Well, yeah, I mean, the person that you're inducting, usually they pick people that that's their hero. They they really have these moments. They really love these people. So you expect their introduction to be like that. Right, sure. You know, but here lately, that seems to have but, fallen short. But, but she really... She did a great job. Yeah. And one thing I wanted to talk about was that, uh, you know, now after you become a member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, is, you know, at the very end of the ceremony, they get all of that year's inductees. Paul Schaefer from David Letterman mm -hmm. shows the band leader, and he'll get everybody that's been inducted uh, that year to do this big jam session with a house band that is made up of all these hall of, all these other hall of famers. Okay. Mm -hmm. So now it's two years go by, maybe a few more years after that, they're now inducting George Harrison as from the, obviously from the Beatles posthumously as a solo artist. Okay. And he, so he was one of the people. So now at the very end, they're going to have this big jam uh, in, you know, in honor of George Harrison. And there's all of the, the, the usual suspects you would expect at a George Harrison tribute. There's Tom mm -hmm. Petty. Uh, I think Eric Clapton was there. I, I can't quite remember. I think Joe Perry from Aerosmith. 
all these Hall of Fame, just rock god heroes. And then there's Prince. You know, he's not a collaborator. You don't see right. No, he's not. You know, he's not the. He's not like Dave Grohl. He's not like the guy that you see at the, uh, you know, jamming with Elton John at the Grammys. It's all about you know, it's his yeah. thing. So, and he came. I don't know if you've ever seen this or not, but he. I implore you, if you haven't, and anybody listening, to go to YouTube or anywhere else to watch this because they're doing the the George the Beatles song while my guitar gently weeps. Right. Yeah, I have seen it. Okay, and then it's like, okay, Prince, it's your turn to take a solo. And it really seems like those people did not know that he could play guitar or that well. Yeah, I don't know that everybody knows that. Well, you know, some people know because because very famously Eric Clapton like said when when, right? when he's when he's asked what it's like like to be the world's greatest guitar player, he says, I don't ask know. Prince. Ask yeah. Prince. But now here's where I'm gonna call bullshit on some people because it's a bit revisionist, especially lately after he's passed, when people are, are talking about that night, you, you know, like Tom Petty are like, oh, man, he just he really burned the place up. He lit the place on fire. If you go back and watch that, it's impossible not to look at Prince. Mm-hmm. But if you watch Tom Petty and people's faces, they're not happy. They are not pleased as Hall of Famers to be schooled <laughs> so thoroughly on their chosen instrument. Like, no, listen, the singing, dancing, really mm-hmm. shirt thing, that's your thing. Right. Okay, the guitar thing, that's, that's ours. ours. Yeah. And he goes into this solo that is unfathomable. It's yeah. unfathomably good. It's unbelievably funky. It's so perfect. And if you remember, he throws his guitar in the air and you never see it land. <laughs> That's true. And so if you go back, okay, if you go back and, and try not to watch Prince, if you can do that. All right, that would be difficult. And just watch other people, they are pissed. They are not happy at all huh. about, about that happening. Okay, so now... One thing I want to talk about was this was in 2006, and I've told you this story before, but this is something I, I, I really wanted to get on air. In 2006, I moved to New York City, okay, and this was two years after musicology, and I and I moved, and, and obviously I was homesick and 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 everything else. And I remember that like the total fan that I am, a lot of different things happened in New York, okay. And he had now had had come out with the follow up to musicology of an album called 3121. And it was a revisit to the Camille character we were talking about. Right. And uh, uh, the very first song is, is he's in the Camille voice. Anyway, so they were taping an episode. I've told you the story before, but I'm going to tell it on air. They were uh, taping an episode of Good Morning America. And Prince, who doesn't do a lot of television and, uh, and in fact, almost no television, right. was making a rare appearance where he was not only that, but he was going to be playing like for free because how, how they would do it. For Good Morning America, they would have their um, they would have like their guest come out to Bryant Park, uh, which uh, those who know New York know that that's right across from Macy's where, and they have like you know like during the summertime they'll have like concerts or they'll have like movie screenings and that sort of thing. And uh, anyway, it's so good. It's called the Good Morning America stage. So they would have their guests that are musical guests, kind of like what Jimmy Kimmel does, have them come out and perform a couple of songs. Well, the unthinkable thing was that was that Prince was going to be the guest. And even though I was very connected at that time, I had no connections that was going to get me any closer <laughs> uh, other than being that guy that had to show up at like, and also it's Good Morning America, so it's like, you know, seven right. o'clock in the morning. So, yes, I found myself alone. 
with, I did have a cell phone at that time. I remember calling you uh, and <laughs> trying to be one of the one of the one of the fans that was going to get as close as I could to the stage there for Good Morning America. Uh, and I don't mind telling you that I was not above uh, pulling some pretty shady shit to, to, to make this happen. <laughs> And I got there super early. I was by myself, like I said, and I remember kind of sneaking in. There's already a line all the way down Broadway, practically to Battery Park. And I don't know how I did it, but I just went up to the very front, kind of like what we did whenever for uh, the, the Christmas uh, door busting yes. thing, and just kind of walked in and ran. Like you know what you're doing. Right. And ran. This is so embarrassing, but I, I, I just to tell you, only Prince could make inspire a grown man or a grown woman to do this. And I am running in a full sprint, like in full Beatlemania frenzy all the way across Bryant park to get to the very front and up to the very front. I did. And then I remember that I was there for the better part of two hours before we got any word of any music. And now this is the summertime. So now day breaks, or not day breaks, I mean the sunrise, the sun is really coming out and it's now beaming right directly on me. And it was pretty miserable. Then Prince walks out and he's kind of getting ready. I've told you this story before, but he's 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 getting ready. I'm at the very front. And even at that night whenever we were at Iguana Mirage, I think that he was even closer to me now, okay? And he, uh, he's, you know, and, and I, I was privy to this very private moment. And this is the closest I've ever been. So I, went to this, I, I would ever have come to ever have met, met Prince. And for some reason, I always thought that I would. I always thought I would go to Paisley Park and we would watch Under the Cherry Moon together and eat Funyuns and drink Mountain Dew and, and, and all that. <laughs> be cr- best friends. Yeah, right. Yeah. I always thought I would have that, that, that right. chance sometime. I still feel that way, you know. Uh, anyway, and so somebody's, I guess it's a, a stagehand or something and everything else. Uh, and they're having a little private moment where they're talking, okay? And everybody else is kind of looking around. This is kind of pre-selfie era, but but it's weird that people aren't really noticing. I mean, some, of course, are noticing that there's Prince right there, mm-hmm. but he's still, you know, he's like on his knees, like plugging his guitar in, talking with a guitar tech and kind of waiting because the, the attention is on the host that are over here talking. And he says... Uh, there's, you know, he's like, I guess, adjusting the levels with, with a stage hand. And for whatever reason, I guess how you can notice the cadence of people. And I was right in there that he didn't actually speak to me. But after he got done, he turned to me and looked right at me as if to say, does that sound like a good idea to you? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like almost not rude. Yeah. But like. I know you heard every word. It was kind of, it was playful. Okay. Right. And he just, he turned, he looks right at me and is, as if, as if to say like, 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 cause you know, like you heard what, like, like that sound about right. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was, so a, we're listening in. it yeah. was a split second, but that is the close of people asking, have you ever met Prince? And I was like, no, but there was that but, Good Morning America yeah. thing where I was a total fanboy. And if nothing else, he did look at you. And, and, and yeah. we, there was eye contact. You were in his eyesight. There yeah. was eye contact. He, uh, he it shined. I was in his line of vision, <laughs> and that that can't be disputed. So, right. uh, in terms of fans, so, so that was one of the stories that I obviously I wanted to tell, and something really amazing happened that evening. 
how we were talking about, you know, he'll do the big show and then the smaller shows. He wasn't doing any big show that time. He was just doing the, the, this media appearance for Good Morning America. But that night, uh, he was gonna. He was playing at a restaurant uh, called Butter, and I think the restaurant was owned by P Diddy or something. It was one of these, oh, okay. these high end restaurants. And since the album was called Thirty One Twenty One, they were allowing like a hundred fans to buy one ticket for the low low price of three hundred and twelve dollars and twenty one cents. The other thirty one twenty one. I had just moved to New York. I didn't have three dollars and twenty one cents <laughs> in my to my name. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so what, what am I going to do here? But do you think that that stopped me from even remotely trying to get in? It did not. Again, yeah. just like with us in 1997, this is now 2006. This is now nine years later. And I didn't even know where butter was. All the clubs in New York have one word. That's, that's the cool yeah, thing. The cool like thing. bed or sleep or something. <laughs> uh, so I, I go to butter. First of all, this is a private dining place, okay? That means that the bouncer guy would recognize you. Yeah. Okay? Okay, skinny, pasty, you know, young, skinny, white kid by himself, and I'm not wearing a suit. I didn't pull up in a limo. What's going to happen? Yeah, why you, are you here? You know the story. I'm mainly telling this for, for, for our listeners. but um, So I get there, and this, of course, is 300-pound uh, you know, guy, and the show has already started. Like, like Prince is playing at a place that is so small, there is no stage. It, they just cleared. Yeah, move some tables out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, hey busboy, uh, Prince is coming in. Can you uh, yeah. move those tables in the back? And I, I, I go in, and and it, and, I, and uh, I'm talking to the bouncer guy, and I'm giving him the, the biggest load of bullshit ever. And of course, he's not buying it. All right. And while I'm standing there. For some reason, this guy, you know, people talk about New Yorkers being so rude. New Yorkers are some of the nicest people I've, I've they ever are. met. They, yeah, that's, they get a bad rap. And he could see that I was a true fan and I wasn't going to cause any trouble. I, I didn't bring an entourage. I wasn't drunk. I wasn't on drugs. Okay. Yeah. I, I wasn't dressed that unflattering. So what, what he resolved to do, because he looked on the list. He goes, if I have to go inside and check that list and you're not on it, I'm not going to be happy. So are you on it? And I was honest and I said, I'm not. <laughs> no. And he goes, let oh, me in. he goes, that was the right answer. And he let me in. Okay. But there was this little false wall. Okay. Right behind him where I'm, I'm actually indoors. I'm in the same room, mm-hmm. but it's kind of like if you were to walk up in, in like reservation for four, Yeah, like the but, entry area. but you haven't yeah. been seated. That's where I was. Prince was a, I could see the top of his head at the far thing, but what was crazy is I could see Jay Z and Beyonce and Puff Daddy, like right. Oh my goodness! You know, I mean, like, like you start getting your eyes off of Prince and you're looking around and and you look over and like there's like uh, like the Reverend Al Sharpton was there and like uh, and you're thinking, oh my, you know, and I keep on, I had just moved moved to New York, yeah, right. And so I, uh, anyway, so, but one thing, I, I guess I got caught up in it cause he started playing music and I started dancing and I started kind of getting further and further away from where he told me to stay and, and right, whatever. Didn't follow the rules. I did not. Mm-hmm. And about three songs later, I am, I am Booted. fully, <laughs> no, no, I was not. I was fully submerged in the crowd, still couldn't see much, but, and I was, you know, 
I had to retreat a little bit because I guess everybody was in like, you know, custom mm-hmm. suits and everything else. But I did get that moment. I got I got the the private dining thing where I, and he played some crazy ish. Uh, that night, and yeah. that was one of those moments. That's crazy that guy let you in. Well, because I was honest with him. You see, what I'm saying yeah. he, goes, he goes, if I have to go inside and check the list, and you're not on it, I am not going to be happy. So I'm going to ask you one more time: Are you on that? I don't know. <laughs> he goes, that was the right answer, and he let me in and had me stand right there. Wow. You know, and I didn't make him regret it. I didn't go the minute he had his back turned. I didn't take off running. I did find myself dancing a little yeah. close. You know, and after New York. Uh, the very, very next time that I saw him was at the Coachella Festival in 2008. I was not there, but right. I, I heard it was legendary. You know, it's one of those things, you know, that I still can't believe that I was even there for. Mm. And that it even, I can't even believe it even happened. Um, you know how they're always trying to get, you know, the, the one act that everybody wants to see. Right. Um, if you're paying attention right now, you know that they're actually going to do... Uh, the people that do that do Coachella, the, the promoters called Golden Voice. Yeah, because you've heard about this desert trip thing with the Rolling yeah. Stones and everything else. Well, what was so just in pure Prince fashion was that uh, back then I was going to Coachella every single year. Coachella, no offense, but it, it's not what it wasn't the fun thing for. I'm sure it's still fun, but it wasn't the the thing for music geeks like me to mm-hmm. go and how they had built their reputation on, you know, uh, is like a destination festival like they have in Europe, like Glastonbury and Reading and, and getting these uh, acts to kind of reform for one show. They tried to get the Smiths forever. And, you know, I saw like Gang of Four and Love, Love and Rockets and, and all, wow. the, all these different bands that reform just once mm-hmm. just to play that that one show uh and in fact in that year 2008 portishead as you know who i'm a massive massive fan of came to america that year and did one show in and out mountain 11 years and did one show and they were going to be headlining coachella if you look at the original poster um you know they put out the poster with the lineup is going to be but coachella has uh, thanks to entropy and social media has morphed into this photo op for the Kardashians thing. And, 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 and again, and that wouldn't keep me from going to see some great music and having a great time. Uh, but the lineup also kind of tends to kind of to reflect that as well. There's still, you know, it's still an exciting thing, but it's just not. And also I'm just a little older and, you know, I was just gonna and, say, and, and, the, <laughs> and the Coachella thing hasn't, you know, I, I did it like literally like 10 times. I went from every year from like 2002 to like 2003. In ten, I was at the Big Four concert. Right. Um, you know, in addition to that, but anyway. Um, so I couldn't be more excited. You know, to know me is to know how much I love Portishead, and I I hadn't seen Portishead since like '98. I mean, like seriously, it's been like over ten years. It's a joke. I used to like you when know, you fill out your W two form, mm-hmm. and it goes, you know, what extra you know activities or special skills or things that you know achievements. For as a joke, I used to write, I have seen Portishead live. <laughs> that was my little go-to joke there. And anybody, and any a potential employer that didn't appreciate or get that wasn't any place I would want to work for <laughs> in the first place. So anyway, um, so can you imagine that I was already going, I was already set. Right. Can you imagine when just a few short weeks before the show, they announced Prince? <laughs> I had Cherry to, on top. I had people calling me going, did you book this thing this year? 
Because it's unbelievable. <laughs> Portishead and Prince ever played. And, and, and well, I'm not kidding. They were back to back. Like, I saw Portishead and then I saw Prince. It's pretty awesome. AKA the greatest freaking day of my life. <laughs> and, you know, and, the, and he would never ever play up to anyone or anything or whatever. But very, very unexpectedly, of course, we all know this now. Um, I am by no means a Radiohead fan. I, I They're one of those bands that everybody seems to worship. And yeah. for me, great, whatever. It, it, okay. And that song in particular, right? If I never hear it again, I'll be just fine. Right, right. <laughs> but, I thought it, but I thought it was cool. Again, he was like, hey, guys, look, I'm going to play one of your indie rock beloved songs. <laughs> but it was just – I tell that because anybody else that showed up at Coachella and did, hey, here's a Radiohead's creep, it would have come off as contrived yeah. and not them or patronizing even. Mm-hmm. But since it was Prince, since it was him, it was like, oh my God. <laughs> and even, much, even though I don't like Radiohead, I was like, he's playing Radiohead to these to these younger people. And I thought it was so great that he changed the lyric. The whole thing about, like, you know, the lyric is, uh, uh, you're so special. Yeah. I wish I was special. He, he ain't going to say, I wish I was special. <laughs> he just kept saying, you're very special. Okay, okay. I, he did not say the, the lyric, I wish I was special. Right. He, di- he did not do that. <laughs> it's kind of like the famous line where, where originally, a lot of people don't know this, but when Michael Jackson wrote the song Bad, he wrote it as a duet. To With him and Prince. Right. Yeah. And Prince was like, well, who's saying that line? Because you sure as hell yeah, ain't going to say it. Yeah. yeah. You ain't saying that to me. <laughs> okay. You know. Yeah. So that was one of the most unbelievable, amazing moments of my entire life uh that 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 happened and you know and that he you know in in is a testament to his reach you know nothing against the rolling stones and, and bob dylan and i'm sure that some of those acts could probably sit right next to you know drake and rihanna or whoever was at uh at coachella this year yeah. but they have to have their own separate one which is cool too i'm not saying yeah. that but there isn't any borders there for him. Do you understand what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. He's the one thing we all agree on. And, and again, Golden Boy's always wanted to get the acts. Who's the act that everybody likes? You know, the one thing. And so they were able to get him, you know, to do that. And the, and the show started with he brought the time out. That oh, they wow. did. It was just, it was unfreaking believable. Yeah. And even Tom York loved that. The cover too, didn't he? Oh yeah, because he yeah. didn't want it on YouTube. But Tom York said, "No, put it out there." Oh yeah, something yeah. like that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had their the full support. Like, yeah. I, you know, I mean, I, I don't know that how much that matters mattered to him, but I, <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, so getting towards the end of the two thousands here. Uh, looks like we will be doing a part four. Uh, I was I promised a trilogy, so I'm going to have to deliver a part four because again, there's from 2010 forward, there is still yeah. so much uh, to talk about. And I still got to debate with you your points that you brought up in the first part. So <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so we'll have to definitely have to have to bring you back. Uh, I, a couple things I, I wanted to mention first. I wanted to ask you was that if you remember, okay, so around I guess around that time. He had released, I guess it was the, uh, let's see, let's go in order here. So after Rainbow Children, the Musicology, the 3121, and, and then it was Planet Earth, Planet Earth, Lotus Flower, and NPLS and, Sound. And then, and that was 
that was his last release of the decade. Yeah, I guess you're right because I was working at Target. I remember yeah. that because it was a Target exclusive. That's right. That's right. And so that's what yeah. I was mention was you, you remember that it was a you know it's like well you know it's thirty years down the road and he comes out with this double album. <laughs> Actually, triple because you remember it came with Tamar's uh, his another his latest protege Tamar. He had written an entire album for her. I her name was it was Bree something wasn't it? I think it was I think it was Tamar. I'll have to look it up. I I can't remember. Okay, we have to oh, look yeah, it up yeah, right yeah. now. <laughs> well, I have to look it up right now. Okay, no, that was a good album. I thought it was pretty funky and stuff. But I want to go back to Rainbow Children real quick because if I'm not mistaken, that was the first album he put out after becoming Prince again. Right, because Raven to the Joy Fantastic was still under the symbol. Well, it says on the on the back of the record, it says produced, recorded by Prince. Yeah. So, so I think that he wanted since it was and it came out in the year nineteen ninety nine. So was it ninety nine? It was ninety nine. So, so, okay. so that's why he. I think he was like, you know, he wanted he had to reclaim. Oh, you mean you mean Raven to the Joy Fantastic? Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And actually, in musicology, I thought was the first like return to form. Like, well, I say that. But like the 80s Prince and the 90s Prince, we all knew and loved. Like musicology was the closest he had come to that in a very long time, I thought. Well, I mean, absolutely. And, and I'll say this, that, you know, uh, again, I never, I, I'm not trying to be all like, well, I like dinner stuff, and I'm a snob. <laughs> but, but, you know, a lot of people didn't realize that there were any albums after the love symbol. Right. Okay. Right. Some of the club people and the club kids knew about. P control. About, that about, yeah, about, well, you can say pussy control. In the oh, show, say pussy okay. control, right. Uh, you know, and they, so they thought this was like his first record in 2004 since yeah. like 94. <laughs> they didn't realize that. Oh, oh no, there's no. been a lot more since then. That's a lot I, to do it. Yeah. I, okay. So I got, I got to look that up. I can't, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty certain, um, that it was Tamar, uh, not that it really matters, I guess, yeah, but uh, I think it was like Brie, maybe it was Brie Tamar or something like that. Oh, like, you know what? You're right. Brie Valente. Valente. That's it. Okay. So I'm thinking of Tamar. She was this girl from Houston that he was, uh, wow. I, I have been, <laughs> I have uh, corrected the master. Unbelievable. Uh, I love it. I love it. So this it is was why, only loosely based on Prince. Though. <laughs> this is why, this is why I brought you on. There here. you go. Uh, well done, sir. Thank um, you very much. So our, our our final song uh, this week is it. Um, this actually is not a B side or some rare uh, recording. I just wanted to. For me, I think some of the best snapshot from that period was a song called "Old School Company," where you know he's always been you know always about being very youthful and uh, about the future and not looking back and never wanted to, he he never wanted to be like the you know the 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 wise elder mm. and this you could see him starting to kind of for the very first time at least and, and, and maybe he renounced it later but but uh this was the first time where he was just kind of like you know even using the term old school company or just old school period right is the first time i've ever seen him not be progressive but the song is still so uh, is funkier <laughs> than any 20 year old that came out with any record that year or really since so the last song uh, we're going to play is Old School Company, and it's from that Lotus Flower Minneapolis Sound double album with Bria Valiente. Thank you. <laughs> and then we're going to come back with some final thoughts for the week. Okay. All right. My song. 
Alright, look here, y'all. Flop hats, hot pants, and gold medallions. Fake grills. <laughs> to the side. Look out. If you want some new you need some old school company. Somebody that appreciates a sexy groove and an old school melody. We got your son in the love of family. Building a community. As long as you sing, lift you up to heaven. A heaven we can't believe in. Everybody talking about hot time like they just started yesterday. People I know they've been struggling. At least it seems that way. Fat cats on Wall Street, they got a bailout. Why somebody else got to wait? 700 billion, but my old neighborhood ain't nothing changed but the date. Listen, every once in a while, you need some old school company. Somebody that appreciates a sexy groove and an old school melody. Yeah. Got his son and the love of family. Building up community. Everybody sinking in the quicksand, created by the keepers of time. Cast aside by using ancient tricks, changing your state of mind. Got you catering to the whims of the flesh before, before you get your paper right. Call me old fashioned, but back in the day, wasn't no shorties inside. We got that money, Cause every day,
hippies say we don't care Make the party strip to their underwear Turn the lights off so they don't stare Somebody blindfold Billy, he's so square Christina Million playing truth or dare Maxwell and CeeLo, they gonna end up there Pick another number, nickel or dime, don't care As long as she having fun, nobody's scared I got a pocket full of I got a pocket full of plenty of good times Can't get in, uh, no. And neither can your man. You see, we got this global distribution thing going on. I'm just a bad mammal jammer. Y'all can't understand. Oh, get it. The new Minneapolis sound. Honey Collective, drop the needle down. Dance with me, baby, if you wanna see me rock. Call the government man and tell him we got to be free. Valentina, tonight, I'm busy. So tell your mama, 77 Beverly Park. Gets better with time. We got the old school company, y'all, dancing in the dark. I don't mind. I don't mind. Put this thing on repeat. Go back to one and just uh, move your feet. Tell your friends, Prince and the Minneapolis sound, we can't be beat. back <laughs> yeah it's a great song it, it was a it was such a you know a weird thing where you get this whole kind of like you know kind of learning about the business all he knew was the aid of the business and you know he kind of went through uh you know some single deals with different retailers and he even tried to do the online thing for a while and so it was just you know funny he did this you know this triple album that you could only buy at target yeah um you know it didn't get a lot of you know i think there was a single for a song called chocolate box that was my favorite one i was okay. gonna say that was like the funky old school yeah. what a drum <laughs> that's right that's right so anyway so wrapping up this week and, and how we've been documenting you know the decade of the 2000s um, give me some final thoughts. Just when, when you think of just that era, I mean, just from 2000 to 2009, mm-hmm. what is your knee jerk reaction thing? What do you think of the most? Well, I'll think of the live performances, obviously, but we already covered that. So I won't rehash that, but I, I will say, uh, of the albums that came out at that time, 3121 was the definite standout. Yeah. Uh, black sweat was probably the closest he'd come to like say kiss, Yeah. you know, that kind of power. And that just, 
Well, even thirty one twenty one, he revisits the, the Camille character. I don't know if you know who the, what that is, but uh, somewhat familiar. Yeah, yeah I, I talked about it in episode one. Yeah. Is it during the eighties? Whenever he had imagined post under the cherry moon pre um, sign of the times, yeah. he was going to come out with an, uh, an album called Crystal Ball that was going to be four albums, right. and one of the albums was going to be this character named Camille, where he speeds his voice. Have you ever heard Chocadelica? Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. And I, it's I, on the B-Sides collection. Right, okay. Yeah. Where he's got that high-pitched voice. Yeah. Okay, that's him actually speeding the record up. There was going to be a whole record like that. Oh, wow. And so, <laughs> so the song 3121 that I played a piece of that I'm going to uh, – gonna you'll also hear on the outro on the way out is him doing – is revisiting that Camille character mm-hmm. that, where he speeds his voice up. And 3121 is also the one that has uh, guitar on it, right? Is no, that, that's – No, uh, Woman. Uh, woman Scorned. Uh, I think so. Uh, yes, Planet yeah. Earth is one with guitar on it. Yeah, that's right. And I, I did want to say also regarding Planet Earth that one that one kind of gets a lot of flack as not as good as the other stuff. It's in the you know the lesser subpar albums. It's my least favorite of his records. But right? Chelsea Rogers is one of the funkiest songs. Yeah. If you check that one out, I think it's like track seven. Or well, something we're like only that. Com- can compare it to other Prince records. I, if I were to compare that Planet Earth record to the the newest, you know, I don't want to diss anybody, but if I were to go, what's better? Princess Planet Earth or the the latest from Fallout Boy, I would, you know, what I'm saying it's still yeah. an amazing record. Prince and his worst is better than most people at their best anyway. That's right. I mean, That's like, right. you know, That's there, there haven't really been like any really crappy Prince no, albums. No, there have no, been like no. some are better than others. You know, some aren't right. as good. But there's you know, no, there's no, there's not a, really a real stinker. You can dig right. for gold on every single one of them and find something. Absolutely. You know, and it's like I said before, like when I put, you know, everyone of course had their own little Facebook eulogy when he when he passed, but like I said something about like. You know, his his catalog is so vast that very few people like everything he ever did. Right, right. But everybody loves something that he did. That's right, that's you know, right. He just kind of was a soundtrack to a lot of people's lives in at one time or another. And he spanned like what forty years now. Yeah, my God. Yeah. I mean, I have to think about that also is is about how like like what you just said like mining for gold is that that's kind of why I wanted to kind of turn people on to some other stuff. You know, not just the heart wall. Okay. I, I love your hard to find B side thing, but what about like, like we played money doesn't matter tonight. Yeah. That's from diamonds and pearls. That's right. right? Yeah. Now a lot of people, you know, of course heard cream mm-hmm. and of course they heard get uh, off, get off, but that, you know, there's something about that, yeah. you know, that a lot of people may not have heard. It should have, it was a single and it was a video for it. But, but the main thing is, is, is it like, it's such a fun unbelievable catalog and mm-hmm. body of work unlike anybody else's. <laughs> and the main thing for me, again, like is like what we started talking about before is I just I can't I can't deal with it. I can't deal <laughs> that that it takes on this weird narrative. I have been I kept saying this and I'll say this to you now. Um I don't want to rehash or repeat myself, but um okay for me here's what I mean. Here's the emotion. Mm. Okay you know, I still listen to the Beatles. John Lennon and George Harrison are, are uh, you know, of course, are, have long passed. Right. right. Okay. I listen to Prince every single day of my life. Every different era. It's from the newest to the oldest and everything in between. All mm-hmm. right. Now, as, for example, a lot of flack that he got was for the album Graffiti Prince, which I could do an entire episode on that. And, I like that album, though. And practically did, if you heard the last episode. Yeah. Okay. But there are certain things that I draw strength from. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's a line in the song that I, that I played in the last episode. Is a song from that album called "Still Will Stand All Time," and there's a line in it where he says, "You better run to the light and leave your past behind, because it's the steel that will stand all time." For some reason, it's like I do this really strange thing where, like, as much as I love that movie and that album, mm. 
I've only probably heard it, or I've only seen it, maybe not as much as you would think. I've only seen it like five or six times because I like won't let my like 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 even when he was alive, I could only listen to, to like I said the song Mountains from right. Parade. I will only let myself listen to that because I want it to retain its and it, it it creates a certain mindset and vibe for me when I hear it that I love the way it makes me feel, but it also makes me incredibly you know sad and maybe maybe I don't want to feel that way at that moment. Right now, right now, I couldn't imagine listening to Mount. <laughs> I, I I I don't know if I could survive it. No, no. You see what I'm saying? No, I definitely know. Of course. And and more importantly. It's like I couldn't imagine watching Graffiti Bridge right now. And I couldn't imagine when I'll ever will be. And that's just a horrible, yeah. horrible thing to deal with. And again, I, I said that before, and I don't want to repeat myself, and I wanted to, to say something different, but I just know that you and I haven't really had this chance to – I haven't talked to you since it happened. Actually, you were the first one to text me when it did happen. And after that, we kind of got a couple of texts, and that was really about it. I haven't actually talked to you since then. Right. But uh, I, I, I do want to say that uh, – what's that? I've talked to anybody. I'm so sad. <laughs> No, I understand. I was too, because I was listening to this, like I said, the serious uh, tribute channel, and these happy, great songs like Raspberry Beret, for instance, right, sure. would come on, and I'd be singing along with it, just you know, going. And by the time the chorus hit, I was like, the Raspberry Beret, know. you know, like, know. <laughs> sobbing along with it. But that's that's what it is, because it, it, it's not only you know as he passed, it's also like that time of my life is gone too, and it's just like, but, wow, I'm just not going to have that back. You know? Yeah, but see, but see, that's what I'm trying to say was was that like okay, and again, not that one is more than the other, but like when Michael Jackson passed, I was incredibly sad. I was a major, major fan. Mm. Other than Prince, I don't know if anybody meant more to me than, than than Mike in terms of especially representing that time of my life. Yeah, and I didn't feel I felt sad, but I didn't feel just disconnected with that period. And I'm not somebody that lives in the past either. But I'm still somebody who is still very youthful and still very much in tune mm-hmm. with that part. And again, Prince is my one content. So when I so when I say that part of my life, you know, Prince is my entire life. But right. what I mean is, I'm still very much in tune with when you know, you always go back to when you first got turned on to something. And when I, I'm still very much in touch with that person. And right now, and since it's happened, I just I feel completely disconnected from that mm. in a way that I don't think I'll ever be able to reclaim. It just feels like, you know what? All of that is over. And maybe if Mike was still alive, maybe, maybe, I don't know, but like, Might be a little softer the blow. but, but the, you know, when I think about they're both gone now, it's just, yeah. it's, it's hard. It's, it's an unbelievably painful thing that I would never been prepared for. Yeah. I, I'd bald when Michael Jackson died, but uh, you know, our friend Tim, who we know since over like 20 years plus, he, he put it a good way because I, Thriller was the first thing I ever bought. Right. Thriller was my introduction to music. It's the reason I like rock, metal, pop, whatever. Thriller is it. That's my jumping off point right there. So when Michael passed, of course, I was you know really just upset about it. But Tim said, yeah, he loved Michael Jackson, whatever. He had a great couple albums. But Prince had a song for every stage of his life. That's right. Because, right. I mean, obviously, he had, like, what, 38 albums to Michael Jackson's four right. or five. Like, you know. And, again, I, I keep it. I hate making those comparisons because I know just I know how much Prince would hate it. You know what I mean? <laughs> and and it's like oh those two fellows from that era, and that's why I I, I don't want to contradict myself by saying that. But uh, but last but not least, I just wanted to you know to all of you guys that are listening out there again. I know you probably like you said earlier have been just inundated. You're like oh another Prince thing. <laughs> you know what? Again, I hope that you enjoyed this. Uh, but you know this this is. 
uh, something that I just I felt compelled to do. It's something that I, I needed to do. I'm so happy that you know my sister Nikki and, and you have been able to, to join me these weeks to do this. And yeah, it's been fun. And it looks like that we're going to do a part four. So once again, Mike, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you on on, on online? I'm on Twitter at MikeDRocks74. I was going to say .com. That's not a .com. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, so I kind of tripped over it. MikeDRocks74. Okay, and then you're on Facebook as well. Oh, yeah, on Facebook too. And I'm a friend of Roy's, friend of Tricky Kid, I'm sure. That's right, that's right. Uh, and also look for him. Oh, and I'm also the Mike that happens in your in your blogs every once in a while too. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. when I'm talking about my friend Mike, this is... The one that cost him the money for Van Halen parking. <laughs> I will never get over that. I will, that I will, was me. I will get over this with Prince before I'll ever get over that, that parking thing. You understand that? I will never let it go. Oh, my God. I will never let it go. You must have been out of your mind. I was just wanting to get inside and see the show on time. I will never <laughs> let that go. You hear that deep Satan voice coming? Yes. <laughs> I'll, have to, I'll have, to, have to tell that story next week. But um, yeah, but for, sure. for, but for now, for my co-host, Mike DeQuincio, I'm Boyd Turner. And this has been, again, part three of our tribute to my greatest inspiration, Prince. We'll see you next week. Take your pick from the Japanese robes and sandals.